Welcome to Parenting Unchained, the radio show that helps parents find the joy and success God intended in the difficult work of parenting. Every week, we'll bring you sound advice that passes a three-part test. First, it must be biblical, built on the solid foundation of God's Word. Second, it must be practical. Parents must be able to put the advice to work right away. Third, it must produce long-term effect and benefit our children into their adult years. Here's our host, author, and trainer for the National Center for Biblical Parenting, Dr. Jim Dempsey. Today's show is focused on motivating our kids internally, especially with regard to homework. Many of your kids started school this week, so this is an important topic for this time of year. Now is the time to examine your approach as a parent to working with your child. How can you be wise in helping your child handle homework? Later in the show, we'll look at a critical mindset we want to develop in our children, a mindset that sees intelligence not as an innate quality we either have or don't have, but as something we develop through solving problems and learning from both our mistakes and our successes. We can always grow in intelligence as we learn more, but only if we believe intelligence is a process and not a fixed quantity. Before we talk specifically about intelligence and how praise can mess it up, let's talk about the practical aspect of helping our kids with homework. Trust me, your view of intelligence and how best to help your kids with homework do go together. A recent article in the New York Times suggested that parents may be operating under the false assumption that they have to be heavily involved in their children's schooling if they want them to succeed. The article is entitled, Parental Involvement is Overrated, by Keith Robinson and Angel Harris. That's from April of 2014. It's more important how a parent supports a child's approach to homework than strictly how much the parent helps. Parents can actually hurt their children's performance in the area of homework. Here's a quote from the article. Most parents appear to be ineffective at helping their children with homework. Even more surprising to us was that when parents regularly helped with homework, kids usually performed worse. Well, the researchers make the case that parents can demotivate their kids by helping too much or in the wrong way. Uh, So I want to help parents help in the correct way and not the wrong way. How do parents stay involved in a productive way? And that's what we want. Here are five suggestions for parents regarding homework uh, in a way that you can help your kids and not demotivate them. Number one, prepare the environment. Pick a time and a place that children can efficiently work on homework, you know, a place without distractions, and uh, pick an amount of time or the time of day that your child needs uh, to to use on homework. Now, that may address their physical needs Uh, emotional needs or whatever at the end of the school day. For example, my oldest daughter needed to spend about 30 minutes watching a TV episode when she got home. I say need. It seemed to work better for her if she would take a few minutes just to decompress before she began her homework. Kids do need some time at the end of a school day just to refresh before they attack uh, the the important uh, aspect of homework. So just to be aware of what your child needs in that personal respect. Number two, take an interest in your children's homework. Now, that doesn't mean do it for them. It just uh, let them know that it's important to do homework and to do it as well as they can. You don't want to send the message that they can ignore the teacher's requirements by any means. And check to see then if your child did his homework. But don't just be a policeman here. Model your curiosity and highlight the ways your child is growing in knowledge and skill. 
keep their past work handy. If you have a child that's not motivated, uh, maybe thinks they're not doing well in school, keep their past homework assignments uh, handy to show them how much they've improved over time. That's a motivating factor uh, for kids to be encouraged about the progress they've made. Number three, you can encourage your child to figure out problems for themselves with the tools that the teacher provides them. The textbook, maybe some class notes or any other resources that the teacher might uh, make you aware of. There's lots of online things now that, that uh, teachers may um, suggest. Don't do the work for them and don't substitute your understanding or the way you solve a problem unless it supports the teacher's method. This is especially important in math studies. Check with the teacher if you solve a problem differently than your child is being taught. Uh, giving a confused child more to learn you know, a different method that the, rather than what the teacher's teaching might set them back. So you want to be careful with things like that. My wife was a math teacher, so I was very aware of things like that. Number four, encourage your child when the going gets tough. If they struggle with a problem, help them learn to attack a problem in a mature way. For example, have them recheck their notes or go back to their textbook to, to see if they miss something. If that doesn't get the job done, then encourage them to call a friend who might be able to help. Go back to suggestion number two, don't take over, but you can help them to figure it out themselves with strategies, strategies that work uh, in the adult world, you know, the, the things that you use to fix a problem. Because that's part of the, the, the goal here is not just to achieve a, a particular answer, but to learn the process of solving problems. Number five, focus on effort, not grades. Even if your child gets a poorer grade than he or she wants, recognize and praise their effort. If you feel the teacher is requiring too much homework or not giving your child the tools to succeed, contact the teacher privately and give your feedback. Ask the teacher to suggest ways you could support your child's approach to homework more effectively. That puts you and the uh, child's teacher on the same team. I think that's a, a better way to go than trying to, uh, than setting up an adversarial arrangement with your child's teacher. Motivation theorists suggest that parental involvement, which reinforces the child's autonomy and provides structure in the form of clear guidelines for where and when to do homework, those things are helpful. While parent involvement that comes across as controlling or, or you know, taking over, that does harm. One way parents try to control is uh, through praise. And we're going to turn now and talk about uh, the, the negative aspects of praise, particularly when we praise the wrong way. This last point is a launching point of uh, the next section of our show. You're listening to Parenting Unchained, and I'm Dr. Jim Dempsey. In this section, I'll share an article from the journal Educational Leadership, a respected publication. That article makes the case that praising our kids for the wrong thing can be very harmful, just as we can actually hurt our kids' school performance by helping do their homework, we can hurt key aspects of their overall development with a wrong approach to praise. Now, before I do that, as we always do, we want to um, provide a biblical basis for today's show. And, you know, this isn't just secular research. There's a uh, biblical truth in this. And here's uh, three verses that I've found related to flattery. Uh, here's Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Proverbs 28, 23 says, He who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. And Proverbs 29, 5 says, A man who flatters his neighbor 
is spreading a net for his steps. In other words, you're, you're making a trap for someone when you flatter them. And the wrong kind of praise is what the Bible calls flattery, and it's destructive. So we want to stay away from flattery. There's a, a ton of proof in the educational community now that the wrong kind of praise creates self-defeating behavior. And the right kind of uh, praise motivates students to learn. So there's definitely differences. We often hear these days that we've produced a generation of young people who can't get through the day without an award. They expect success because they're special, not because they've worked hard. Is this true? Have we inadvertently done something to hold back our students? There are two beliefs that do just that, that hold our kids back. Many parents and educators believe, number one, and this is a wrong belief, that praising students' intelligence builds their confidence and motivation to learn. And number two, that students' inherent intelligence is the major cause of their achievement in school. So a, a smart kid is going to do well, and of course a, a not-so-smart kid won't do well. Our research, or this research from the article, has shown that the first belief is false. Praising students' intelligence doesn't build confidence and motivation to learn. And that that second one, that students' inherent intelligence is the major reason for their achievement, well, that's not only false, but it's harmful, even for the most competent students. Research shows us how to praise students in ways that yield motivation and resilience. And it also shows us how to praise in ways that cause so much damage. Praise is intricately connected to how students view their own intelligence. Some students believe that their intellectual ability is a fixed trait. That's the mindset that we talked about uh, at the beginning of the show, that intellectual ability is what you're born with and you can't change it. They have a certain amount of intelligence and that's that, they believe. Students with this fixed mindset become excessively concerned with how smart they are, seeking tasks that will provide, uh, that will prove their intelligence, and avoiding tasks that might not prove their intelligence or might prove that they're not so intelligent. Other students believe that their intellectual ability is something that they can develop through effort and education. They don't necessarily believe that anyone can become an Einstein or a Mozart but they do understand that even Einstein and Mozart had to put in years of effort to become who they were. When students believe that they can develop their intelligence, they focus on doing just that. Not worrying about how smart they will appear, they take on challenges and stick to them. More and more research in psychology and neuroscience supports the growth mindset, the, the, the mindset that our intelligence can grow if, through, through our effort. We're discovering that the brain has more plasticity over time than we ever imagined, that fundamental aspects of intelligence can be enhanced through learning, and that dedication and persistence in the face of obstacles are key ingredients in outstanding achievement. The fixed and growth mindsets create two different psychological worlds. In the fixed mindset, students care first and foremost about how they'll be judged, smart or not smart. Repeatedly, students with this mindset reject opportunities to learn if they might make mistakes because, of course, mistakes prove that you're not smart. When they do make mistakes or reveal deficiencies rather than correct them, of course, they try to hide them. They're also afraid of effort because effort makes them feel dumb. They believe, and this is wrong, that if you have the ability, you shouldn't need effort, that ability should bring success all by itself, that if you're basically intelligent, you don't even have to work hard. 
This is one of the worst beliefs that students can hold. It can cause many bright students to stop working in school when the curriculum becomes challenging. Finally, students in the fixed mindset don't recover well from setbacks. When they hit a setback in school, they decrease their efforts and they very often consider and move into cheating. Let's get inside the head of a student with a fixed mindset as he sits in his classroom confronted with algebra for the first time. Up until then, he has breezed through math. Even when he barely paid attention in class and skimped on his homework, he always got A's. But this is different. It's hard. The student feels anxious and thinks, what if I'm not as good at math as I thought? What if other kids understand it and I don't? At some level, he realizes that he has two choices, try hard or turn off. His interest in math begins to wane and his attention wanders. He tells himself, who cares about this stuff? It's for nerds. I could do it if I wanted to, but it's so boring. You don't see CEOs and sports stars solving for X and Y. By contrast, in the growth mindset, students care about learning. When they make a mistake or exhibit a deficiency, they correct it. For them, effort is a positive thing. It ignites their intelligence and causes it to grow. In the face of failure, these students escalate their efforts. That's what we should all do when we have a problem with something. We should work harder. These students escalate their efforts and look for new learning strategies. Let's look at another student, one who has a growth mindset, having her first encounter with algebra. She finds it new and hard and confusing, unlike anything else she's ever had to learn. But she's determined to understand it. She listens to everything the teacher says, asks the teacher questions after class, and takes her textbook home and reads the chapter over twice. As she begins to get it, she feels exhilarated. A new world of math opens up for her. It's not surprising then that when we have followed students over challenging school transitions or courses, we find that those with growth mindsets outperform their classmates with fixed mindsets. Even when they entered with equal skills and knowledge, a growth mindset fosters the growth of ability over time. That's so important for us as parents. We need to help our kids not get the idea that their intelligence is something they were born with. And even we do it subtly when we tell them that they're, they're smart kids um, because they begin to think that's built into their character rather than something that they can develop. Many educators hope to, to maximize students' confidence in their abilities and their ability to thrive in school by praising their intelligence, praising them for being smart. We've studied the effects of this kind of praise in children as young as four years old and as old as adolescents uh, in inner city and in rural settings and in different ethnicities. And consistently, we found the same thing. Praising students' intelligence gives them a short burst of pride followed by a long string of negative consequences. So just don't do it, it's very damaging. In many of our studies, fifth grade students worked on a task, and here's kind of how they showed this in their study, in their research. The fifth grade students would work on a task, and after the first set of problems, the teacher would praise them. Uh, some of them, half of them, you know, the uh, one part of the class would be praised for their intelligence. Teachers would say this, you must be smart at these problems. And then they would praise others for their effort with a sentence like this. You must have worked hard at these problems. And then they assess the students' mindsets. In one study, we asked students to agree or disagree with mindset statements, such as your intelligence is something basic about you that you can't really change. 
Students praised for intelligence agreed with statements like these more than students praised for effort. In another study, we asked students to define intelligence. Students praised for intelligence made significantly more references to innate fixed capacity, whereas the students praised for effort made more references to skills and knowledge and areas they could change through effort and learning. Just proving that they were kind of buying into this uh, praise that was being uh, given to them in the research. Thus, we found that praise for intelligence tended to put students in a fixed mindset, that intelligence is fixed and you either have it or don't, uh, or that you do have it. Um, that was what the research group was being told. Whereas praise for effort tended to put those kids in a growth mindset. You're developing these skills because you're working hard. That was the, the message that they were buying into. We then offered the students a chance to work on either a challenging test that they could learn from or an easy one that ensured error-free performance. Here's the amazing thing. Most of those kids who were praised for intelligence, they wanted the easy task. Of course, that would prove that they were smart if they could do it. Whereas most of those kids praised for effort wanted to take the challenging task and the opportunity to learn from it. That, that's just an amazing thing that uh, to see the way that affected the kids, that if they were praised for being smart, they couldn't risk uh, finding out that they weren't smart. So they only chose the easy task. Whereas kids who were praised for effort, you know, they may, may um, make mistakes at it, but they wanted the harder challenge. That's just an amazing thing. Next, the students worked on some challenging problems. As a group, students who had been praised for their intelligence lost their confidence in their ability and their enjoyment of the task as soon as they began to struggle with the tough problem. If success meant that they were smart, then struggling meant that they weren't smart. Think about it. If it's, we're telling them that they're smart and they're struggling, then they lose their motivation. They start to believe that they're not smart and that uh, crushes their motivation. The whole point of intelligence praise is to boost confidence and motivation, but both were gone in a flash for those kids who were praised for being smart. Only the effort praise kids remained on the whole both confident and eager to take on those challenges. When the problems were made somewhat easier again, students praised for being intelligent did poorly, having lost their confidence and motivation. Even when you move them back to an easy task, they don't do well. As a group, they did worse than they had done initially on these same types of problems. The students praised for effort, however, showed excellent performance and continued to improve. It just shows you that if you praise your children for effort, you put them on a track to do better and better and better through time because, of course, they're going to apply more effort. But if you praise your children for being smart, for innately having intelligence, and you help them have that mindset, you almost always ruin their performance and, and destroy their confidence eventually. Finally, when asked to report their scores anonymously, almost 40% of the intelligence praised students lied. Apparently, their egos were so wrapped up in their performance that they couldn't admit their mistakes or their poor performance. Only about 10% of the effort praised students, those who were prayed, praised for, for their hard work, only about 10% of those students saw fit to falsify their results. Do you understand the difference there? The child who uh, can't risk the 
loss of this intelligence that they think they were born with, those kids will lie. They will cheat uh, in school. And that perhaps explains the, the growth in cheating in our school systems today. So many of our kids have been raised on this false idea that praising them for everything is the right way to do it. And parents, that's not a good thing. We need to praise our kids for the work they put in, acknowledge when they do well, but certainly don't praise them all the time for being smart. Praise them for the work they put in and the effort they, they put into it. Praising students for their intelligence then hands them not motivation and resilience, but a fixed mindset with all its vulnerability. In contrast, effort or process praise, praise for engagement, perseverance, strategies for improvement and the like, that fosters hearty motivation. It tells students what they've done to be successful and what they need to, be, need to do to be successful again in the future. Process praise sounds like this. I like the way you tried all kinds of strategies on that math problem until you finally got it. That's praising them for the process, the strategies that they tried. Here's another one. It was a long, hard assignment, but you stuck to it and got it done. You stayed at your desk, kept up your concentration, and kept working. That's great. Now, here's another one. I like that you took on that challenging project for your science class. It's going to take a lot of work doing that research and designing the machine, buying the parts, and building it. You're going to learn a lot of things, I bet. What about a student who gets an A without trying? What would you say to that student? Well, the researchers say they suggest this. All right, that was too easy for you. Let's do something more challenging that you can learn from. We don't want to make something that was done quickly and, and done easily the basis for our ad admiration. We don't want to just uh, let them think that they're great for solving an easy problem. We want to tell them the truth. Well, that wasn't all that hard, was it? So let's find something that's harder for you. What about that student who works hard and doesn't do well? I would say, I like the effort you put in. Let's work together some more and figure out what you don't understand. Process praise keeps students focused, not on something that's called ability that they may or may not have, but it keeps them focused on the processes that are needed that they can all engage in to learn. Educators can't hand students confidence on a silver platter. Just isn't possible that we can make children confident by praising their intelligence. Rather, we can help them gain the tools they need to maintain their competence in learning by keeping them focused on the process of achievement. Now, that was the, the end of that uh, article uh, in Educational Leadership. Uh, that was by Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. You can look up her name and find out a lot of this information uh, by Googling uh, Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. So as we wrap up here and uh, finish our show here on Parenting Unchained, I want, you to help, uh, I want you to remember that you can help your kids the most by praising them for the effort they put in, not for their innate greatness in any particular area. And the Bible calls that flattery. When we praise someone for something they don't really earn, then we're, we're, do, we're setting a trap for them. And that's exactly what this research showed. When we praise kids for being smart, then uh, it really demotivates them and gives them many more problems to deal with down the road. We don't help kids when we give false praise either. When we say things like, well, you're really great at that soccer, and they know they're not, and Maybe they're not all that great, but we give them praise that isn't true. That does several things. Number one, kids aren't stupid. They know when they're good at something and when they aren't. As they compare themselves to others, they're going to learn soon enough. 
and you don't want to take away your own credibility in the process of that. So you can be truthful with them and say, Hey, I like the way you did that, but here's some other things that sound, looks like you need to work on. Those are, that's a more truthful way to uh, talk to your kids about something they're working on. Now I talk about uh, what I call poison praise, and that's the kind of praise that praises for being smart rather than for effort. Unpraising uh, too much, we can just overpraise and steal the internal motivation from our kids by praising them all the time. You know, hold your praise for those times when your kids are maybe need just a little bit of encouragement to keep going, rather than praising them uh, consistently all the time. Um, that's just something that I think you need to learn to measure out at the right and appropriate time. The way you do that is to pray. Always ask God what you need to say to your kids at a given moment. Poison praise comes from this false notion that life should be easy for our kids. And that's one of Satan's lies to parents. You can learn more about that deception and the nine other ones that I write about in my book, Parenting Unchained, overcoming the 10 deceptions that shackle Christian parents. Uh, that's available at Amazon. I'd be very flattered if you were to buy that book. I think you'll learn a great deal. It, it uh, shows you a number of the, the problems that I had in, in raising our three daughters and uh, the things that God showed me. Uh, it also is a great study of the Bible in the ways that God was a parent to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, in the way that Jesus acted as a parent to the 12 disciples in the New Testament. You can see a lot of, of good parenting principles come right off the pages of Scripture when you do. Remember to contact me, Dr. Jim Dempsey, at jimd at biblicalparenting.org, or you can go to my website, d6culture.org. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on Parenting Unchained. To learn more about Dr. Dempsey's ministry or to bring his powerful parenting seminars to your church or school, check out his website at d6culture.com. Listen next week at this same time and find new freedom for your parenting on Parenting Unchained.